Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn about anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. And my name is Todd Hicksonball, a.k.a. the Todd Father. And we have a great episode for you today. We're going to be talking with Kevin Jennings. Now, you may not be super familiar with Kevin. But you know his work. But you know his work. He's a marketing expert and the founder of Junction 32. He also works with um, several companies of people that we've had on the podcast before. He's worked with um, Jeff Henderson, or he works with Jeff Henderson. He works with um, the Orange Company as well in the Rethink Group. There. He helped produce uh, Carrie Newhoff's leadership podcast there yep. for a while when Carrie was first starting. Which, if you're a longtime listener, you know that we are a huge fan of the Carrie Newhoff yep. leadership podcast. Huge fan. And so Kevin's going to be joining us today, and we're going to be talking with him about some marketing stuff and um, really how to prom- promote a brand, whether it be a personal brand or an organizational brand or whatever it may be. Now, Kevin, one, okay, so Kevin is literally the antithesis of Caleb Mason, which means he's a lot like me. And so we had so much fun with this interview because Kevin, um, Kevin can't shut it off. Wait, 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 wait. Let me just say, <clears throat> I had fun on this interview. He did. Too. Caleb did. Caleb did. But the thing that's funny about Kevin is he literally can't shut it off. So, like, you're going to see what we're talking about, but I'll give you a sneak peek. He he's literally is in the midst of the podcast episode. He pauses several times and does, like, a short commercial for the podcast. It's hilarious. Like, it's like watching live TV, like, pause for a second so that we can have this commercial for the podcast I'm talking on right now. Like, it's hilarious. And so it's just it's just his marketing mind. It's just the things and the way that he thinks about marketing. It's all happening <laughs> live time. You're about to listen to this thing. It's so fun. Yeah, we had a great time with Kevin. And one of one of the awesome things about um, the podcast is you know you get to do these awesome interviews and stuff like that. And then sometimes, occasionally, you end up leaving a conversation and feeling like you just made a friend. And I can say. We made a great friend. I think I said Kevin like Jennings. three times. I, I, I don't know if it's going to be. I forget now if it's going to be actually in the recording. But I'm like, did we just become best friends? I was like, did Kevin, did we just become best friends? Because I feel like we did. Now, we also want to let you know about, and uh, you may already know this, but we're releasing two episodes each week throughout all of January. And so for you um, personal growth junkies or you leadership junkies, um, we got you covered for the month of January. We're going to release episodes like normal on Tuesday and on Thursdays as well. And so the best way to make sure that you don't miss our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever podcast player you use, whether it's Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Thank you. Or whatever it may be. Now, we had such a great time with this conversation with Kevin. We're not going to wait any longer. We're going to jump into our conversation with Kevin Jennings right now. Well, Kevin, welcome to the Learner's Corner Podcast. We're so excited to have you on today. Hey, my pleasure to be here with you guys. It's, um, it's an honor for sure. You know, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into marketing and how Junction 32 got started? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I do believe that anyone who is a full-time marketer uh, got there by accident. Um, I don't I don't think any, I mean, I don't care who you are. If you went to got a marketing degree, if you're still in marketing full-time, it's probably an accident. Um, I actually went to Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee, um, and I studied music business and entrepreneurship. I just knew I wanted to work for myself at some point in my life, um, and I thought I was going to be a full-time music producer and a songwriter, and 
Um, where most kids, when they decide they want to do music for a living, they go get a, an instrument or a book. I went to, and I knew I had to learn the business of music. And so I um, went and picked up this business of music. And it was this gigantic legal size book. And I started reading it over the summer. I was like 15 years old. And immediately talked about how artists get screwed out of all their money and and how, how terrible contracts are. And like, I said, wow, this is terrible. I was like, if I want to make money, I got to figure out this business stuff. And so I started reading business books. Um, my uncle was a music producer at the time. And then I, and I knew that I had to figure out how to, how to promote myself as a musician and a songwriter producer. And um, my uncle, who um, was kind of my, my biggest inspirations and a mentor to me, he had started working with companies to use music. So Sports Illustrated hired him and his team to like create like a free like a uh, compilation CD that would go with a Sports Illustrated um, university uh, edition of the, of the magazine. I was like, oh, companies are paid to do music? That's incredible. And um, so then I started getting into marketing. Like, what, what does that even mean? Why, why would they do that? Oh, it's marketing. Okay, well, what, well, so I started digging deeper and deeper and just learning. Like, you two go about it as well as kind of following curiosity. And I found out that um, there were companies getting paid to do music for companies exclusively. So it's called sonic branding, where a company will literally say, okay, what does my brand sound like? Mm. So think about the NBC chimes, like the audio logo or the right. on hold music or the music inside of a, a, a foot locker. The McDonald's. Like, oh, come and get it. It's the McDonald's. The McDonald's. I'm loving it. Right? I'm loving it. And ba da ba ba ba. Come on. Exactly. Right there. And so an audio logo. That's what we call it. I love that. And so, so I actually got paid to do that. So I, I, I created my own company doing that right out of college. And I was in a couple of business plan competitions. And me learning how to use music with marketing just made me more fascinated with marketing altogether. And um, so shortly after I started doing that for a company in Portland, Oregon called Rumblefish, then I got a job with an email marketing company, and that kind of pushed me all the way into marketing. Um, it was a competitor of, of MailChimp, a company called Emma in Nashville, Tennessee. And after that, I never looked back. I was just like, I am a marketer, and I loved it. So tell us about Junction 32 and yeah. kind of what it is, how it got started. Tell us the Ooh. origin story. Yeah, well, well, you know what? The, the funny thing about Just 32 was um, when I was at Emma doing email marketing and sales and sales and their marketing team, I just started dreaming up of this company that could still kind of keep the, the essence of what I love about the whole sonic branding idea that could creativity when it comes with commerce and what can that do? And um, and so Article 17 uh, and Article 15 in the U.S. codes for all the geeks out there, uh, Article 17 is all about, um, you know, copyrights in the sense of like copywriting, you know, music and books. And then Article 15 is all about copyrighting trademarks, uh, logos um, and ideas. I said, oh, I love that. So 15, 17 together is 32. And I was like, OK. And, and all I knew is at the time, I just want to help people leverage creativity. And with 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 an idea um, and w- with their business, and it started out with me doing um, just some consulting jobs, a very like just hey any of my side projects outside of my full time job would go through this, and I started getting really busy, and um, through with my soul consulting work I started bringing on freelancers to help me out, and I recognized I love these freelancers they were incredible people and I was like I want to work with them all the time, as a team. And um, we started out just doing full service marketing work. So we would take on a small business and do anything and everything for them. And we recognize that process uh, is that small businesses 
don't. And entrepreneurs in particular really struggle with marketing, not just because they might be shy about their project, but they only understand two things. And that's sweat equity, like hard work hours, and then deliverables. And we recognize like, well, they struggle to communicate their idea because they're so close to it. And we recognize we could take our gift of marketing, but if we zoned in on content, so content marketing and branding, we could really help people grow. And so we say, we tell stories that sell, um, and that's about branding and content marketing and how we help you communicate your message in a compelling way. So it really started out with me just falling in love with marketing and then over time I kind of stumbled into that, but I fell in love with a team of people and, and the people I work with, I love them dearly. I'm like, anything I can do with these people, I feel like I can conquer the world. And that's kind of how that, how it all kind of came to this moment. But uh, helping entrepreneurs win is a big part of that too. Kind of, I know that uh, Todd was sharing a story before we started recording about his passions. And for me, it's helping, helping dreamers get their ideas off the ground on a personal level. Like Kevin Jennings, the person is motivated by that and just search through the manifestation helping that. Do you remember whenever you first started feeling that, like help, like wanting to help people accomplish their dreams? Do you remember that first time that you experienced that? Tell us about like your deepest, I'm just kidding. You know, but the thing is, but that's a great question because I remember it happened when I was at Emma. I was on, I was a salesperson and I was on the phone with people and I would sell them an email account because I knew email marketing was so powerful, right? I mean, because it was it was democratizing direct mail, right? At the time, um, right. which in my 2000 2009, people were sending mailers all the time and like, wow, you could spend less than a penny, you know, per person and reach thousands of people. And um, but I always felt guilty because I had some non tech savvy entrepreneur in their mid 40s who really wanted to make their business grow and i would tell them all the power of email marketing and they'd be like yes kevin i'm gonna do this okay now how, how what's a browser where do i log in what, what do you mean i, I mean i mean what uh, an email template what's that what do i say in the email and i'll be like oh, oh my gosh this person literally doesn't has no idea what they're doing i convinced them to do this and i, and I recognize i don't care about technology I only care about what technology enables people to do. And I was like, I take the idea this person who actually has something valuable to give the people that believe in what they have to offer will not succeed with what I'm giving them because they don't have the knowledge. And there's a gap between what they're enabled to do and what they know how to do. And um, and, I, and so I just kind of followed that. And I, and I felt the same about musicians who had great music at Cotton on campus who just didn't know how to talk about it or to promote it because they were just so artsy-fartsy. And I felt guilty. And I was like, I have to help people. I have, I, I can't let this person kind of walk through life. I'm a hard teacher in that way. So it just, so that's kind of where I, where I recognized it. And I started to follow it more and more. And then Dave Ramsey kind of gave me that opportunity to say, okay, this is what it means to help a person with a message sustainably reach people. So I wanted to, to, to shift gears a little bit because you just talked about something I think that was, that was fascinating. Um, and so I wanted to, to to start with you on this. What are the what are a few keys to a good launch? Because what it really sounds like you're talking about is helping people take their idea on the on a ground level and launch it into the stratosphere to get that to get it out there. So what are some keys to a good launch? That's a good one. Um, if I had to think about a, there's a couple things. I'll talk about the internal side first, right? Because I think that if we can live if we can deal with the person. And I'll just kind of make some headway on the business side. I think the first thing to keep a good launch is defining success for you. I, I think that what a lot of launchers and dreamers and entrepreneurs do, or anybody in the project for that matter, they they've 
find success by all these weird metrics around them that that no one that, that the world told them or that their friend told them or that the the newest Fortune magazine article told them whatever they're looking for, and then they're kind of they lose their way really quickly because they don't, they haven't kind of dialed into their why. Um, so I think it's kind of knowing your own personal motivations, how we're talking about right now, why we're doing what we're doing. You know, you all love learning, so you're empowering other people to learn. Um, that's probably the first thing internally. But from a marketing perspective, uh, I think it really boils down to saying, can I use my, my ability to empathize with the end user? It's really going to help me do it because if you're doing that well on the product side or the service side, you're making a great they can use. If you're doing a marketing side, then you actually know what to say and where to say it. So, for example, I, I mean, I, my wife and I have a toddler. She's almost two years old. Her name is Arden. And if you want to market to my wife for products for Arden, then you have to own that she's going to go to certain place information. She's not going to others. She's not reading newspapers. As a as a 32 year old woman with a toddler, to find information about that, she's going to Facebook groups, she's going to YouTube, she's going to blogs, social media um, first, and she's going to Pinterest before she goes to New York Times. So what that means is, well, how do I know that? I'm empathizing with the end user. I know the person. I'm spending time connecting with the end user to know what their likes and dislikes are, their habits, their personality. And that means I can't fall so in love with my idea that I tune out and stop having a harder service for the person who's going to actually use what I'm creating. So it really takes humility and empathy to make a good launch because that, that will I mean what I mean, how I say it, what I, how I do it, when I do it. Oh, well, don't do a webinar for a mom during the day because her kid's awake and she's a toddler who won't sit still. You probably have to wait until 9 p.m. to get their attention. But if you want to do that and, and, and empathize with them, then it'll work. Um, one thing I always say is adulthood is broken, right? If Caleb wants to get a loan from a bank right now, they're going to be open from 9 a.m. to 3. When he's at work. If Todd needs to go see a dentist, they're going to be open from 9.30 to 3 o'clock when you're at work. You're like, what? why is the dentist open from 4 p.m. to 10 p.m.? They make more money than anybody else because Todd doesn't take time off from work. So that's it. How can you empathize with the end user? That's a way to have a good launch. That was incredible. I guess a follow-up, on a follow-up question to that, you know, what do you do to maintain that empathy? Because I know, I, even for myself, you know, working in a church, you know, sometimes it's just the routine almost can almost beat the empathy out of you. Amen, uh, and so, Kevin, what do you do? to remain empathetic. Ooh, man, that's good. Um, Caleb's bringing the fire. He is, man. He's coming for me tonight. Uh, you know, I, I, I would say this. Um, if you want to remain empathetic as a person who has a lot on their plate, so I'm assuming you're busy, and that's a big part of it, right? That they're busy trying to get things done. I think you have to try. Scaling yourself as a leader gives you the capacity, gives you space to empathize without feeling like you are not processing the right things. You know, like, I think, like you have to have a little bit of margin and capacity to even think that way. Um, and, I, and so I think sometimes if you're, if you're too busy, then I would say maybe can you find some extra capacity that would just say, well, where am I going to find the capacity? And I can go on a, a rant about that. But, um, but I think the key thing is like trying to find some margin to do it. Because when you learn 
something different than your assumptions, you're going to say, well, where am I the time to do this new different thing? And that's, I think it's a margin piece would matter. Then the other thing I would say is prioritizing effectiveness over efficiency. Like, do you want what you're doing to work or do you just want to be the, the you know, the king of the zero inbox? You know, and, and, and I think that you say, well, I'm do, I got into this to, for, to make an impact on somebody's life. Well, don't you want to actually impact them? If that's the case, then you have to think about them first. So choosing effectiveness is a decision more than anything. I'm going to be effective over everything else. I mean, my inbox might be a disaster, but are these kids in my church going to have an impact? Because I'm being very intentional about the effectiveness of what I do over my ability to be the, the master efficiency. Yeah. So I think that's a part of it. Margin and effectiveness. I want to hear your rant about capacity. Well, okay. Well, I don't want to see, see, I don't want to make this podcast too long. I've got to be focused um, on serving your listeners. So, well. so, so you're good. just, you're good. I want to, cause I, cause I'm actually curious about that now. Okay. Well, what I say is this, there is, it's the, it's also the philosophy that there is someone who loves doing what you hate doing. There is someone who is actually gifted at doing what you hate doing. And if you're true, if you're truly part of the body of Christ in any shape, form, or fashion, or just connected in the spiritual realm, whatever way you rationalize our sense of, sense of connectedness in our, in our world, then you are actually robbing someone else by hoarding things that you need to get off your plate to grow and scale what you're great at. And so if you if you even just mm. embrace that assumption then what's going to happen next is you're going to say, okay, now how do I find that person? Okay, well, let's start with that. Well, I don't have any money. Let's start with all your excuses. I don't have any money. Okay, well, great. Did you know that fancyhands.com will let you outsource a task for $5 per task? And they're all U.S.-based. You can text them, email them. You can even go through an app and you can get one thing off your plate today. What does that mean? That's date night with my wife. I'm going to have someone else book the reservation for date night. Okay, or right, well, I'm going to have someone else schedule my oil change. I'm going to have someone every I'm going to find the smallest thing that I know can I, I can find more. I need someone to research flights so that I can save money for the church for our next upcoming trip. OK, they're going to do all that research for you. Fantastic. That's five bucks. That, but, it's, but how much time is that back on your plate? You, just, five, changed, yeah, you, five you just changed my life. <laughs> or whatever, man. But hey, but sincerely, right? And so, OK, well, I, I, I have more money than that, Kevin. I can afford to do more than that. OK, well, there's a service called Virtual Staff Finder. They are a company based in the Philippines, run by a British guy named Chris Chris uh, Ducker, and he fell in love with a, a Filipino woman, so he, he moved there. And he actually has a company that gives you English-speaking Filipino-based virtual assistants, and you can hire them full time, forty hours a week. All right, let's start there. Forty for six hundred dollars a month, no U.S. dollars. I have a fantastic virtual assistant. Her name is Cherry, and she I love her dearly. She has been working with me for two years. Cherry, you are awesome if you're listening to this podcast. And I pay her $600 a month, USD. Now, based on based on exchange rate, she has a livable wage. And you say, oh, Kevin, yeah, right. No, livable to the point where she just bought her family a new house. So, wow. so when I, so, 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 I, so, and she has three children. And she's incredible, and she is funny, and she is, and she is smart. So and I give her and I try my best to give her more because I think that she deserves more. But I also recognize that I know what I'm saving. And she deserves that that to me pay her and water with that margin. Okay, well I don't want to work my in the Philippines because they're 12 hours ahead of uh, US Eastern time. Okay, great. There's virtual.com and you can go to them 
you can go to EA Help or Bernardo Ballet Solutions, right? So I think the key thing is you have to own that there is something on your plate you can get rid of and share. And I think you start with that and say, even if it's a task, and that training you're going to delegate is the, is, a, is the number one skill. It's not even the person. It's learning to recognize things you don't have to do. It's rewiring your whole thought process as a leader and as a person who's getting things done. And I'm still working on that, so that's not me celebrating it. My team would tell you it has taken me a long time to learn how to delegate things. Um, and that, but, but it's a great skill to learn. You just hurt my face. Come on, Todd. You can do it, brother. That's your Christmas gift to yourself. You just a fancy hands subscription. Three months of fancy hands. We're going to challenge Todd right now. Every listener, we're all going to check in on Todd in three months and say, what have you delegated? You sign for Fancy Hands, Virtual Staff Finder, or Virtual or Belay. And I'm a big Belay fan. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, actually, I'm a, I'm a partner with Belay. Not trying to, you know, not trying to plug my people here, but I think that what they've done with virtual work is hands down, I think, revolutionizing a lot of teams because they're more than an executive assistant team. And I can go on, we can talk about this some other time, but I think they're, they're a fantastic organization to work with. And if you email Todd or Caleb, I'll hook you up with somebody personally who can work, who can help you figure some things out. If you, if you email them and say, tell me more about this belay thing, I will, I will give you a personal handoff to a human being who can walk you through something. Just know that. Hey, Sal. Oh my gosh. Todd, you're first. I think time to go first. Leaders go first. Can I email myself? <laughs> uh, absolutely, my friend. You can do that. You are allowed to do that. <laughs> you know, Kevin, just as we were looking at uh, your website, one of the things that really intrigued me, and I want to ask a couple of questions about it, is that you ask this question. You say, what do successful small organizations do when they don't have time, expertise, or resources? And you say they clarify where they're going, they identify where they are, and they leverage the right resources at the right time. So I just kind of want to break that down a little bit. And so that. just the first question is, how do you help people clarify where they are going? Yeah, you know, so I have a methodology that I'm um, working on. I'm working on for the past couple years, and I, and I call it uh, a BPS system, right? So the, the so you think about so you think about GPS, right? Global positioning. This is a business positioning. This is a you know this is a brand positioning system, and it really starts thinking the same way you would with GPS. If Caleb was gonna go to Florida right now, or or if my good friend Tyler's gonna leave North Canton, North I have right North Canton, right? It's, it's North, to to, North Canton, North Side. By the way, the by North. the way, if you were in, if you were here right now, they actually, so they, so North Canton people actually say that North Canton is a different city than, than Canton. And technically it is. You just can't tell the difference. And for Got everybody it. who's going to yell at me about that, at me, bro. Come on, get at him. Well, we're going to leave North Canton to come to North side of Atlanta where I'm at. Um, what we would do is we put in a starting point in our GPS, we put in a destination, you know, and then we would look at all the routes. If you're a small business or a small organization, church, nonprofit, doesn't matter, you have to clarify the routes so you can pick the best option for you. And you can only do that when you're clear on where you're headed and where you are. And that starts with vision and it starts with crazy honesty and humility to say, I know I'm gonna be on where I am. And when you do that, options open up to you. You can see the scenic routes, the highway. It all starts to kind of come to you when you do that. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, it might just mean I'm going to consult this podcast. 
with all these different people. And I'm going, and they're going to tell me different things I didn't know. And they're going to help me gain new information. That's a new right resource at the right time, right? Because, well, how do you know that? Well, these guys have done a great job for you, the listener, by saying, okay, this is the kind of person, you know, this is the kind of person that I want to, to consult. This is the, uh, you know, Hudson Phillips is a screenplay writer. So I can go look at what he talks about, about screenplays. And I can say, well, I want to do that one time. So now what can he tell me to help me leverage the right resource at the right time? You know? And so, okay, great. Fantastic. So now I know more because of a free resource that came up. Well, how do I know it's the right one? Look at the title of the podcast. Look at the person, what they did. Right? So, that's the power of Google. That's the power of searching on, on iTunes for a great podcast. So I said, well, you need, if you need routes, you can go find people who will share the free information to give you your options based on where you are and where you're headed. Um, now, you have before to move on to Yeah, please. I want to ask, why do you, you know, you talked about, you know, us being honest with ourselves. Why is it so tough for us to be honest with ourselves? I mean, we're jaded. I mean, right, we're, 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 in this country in particular, I think we've all become the protagonists in our own stories. And when you're trying to live out a great story or a compelling story or a story or God gave you a story, you start to romanticize the smallest details. You know, I mean, I do that too, right? I mean, when, when I know when I have a bad day, I immediately, I'm, I'm immediately rocky on the floor, right? I'm like, I when I get up, Somebody get knocked out, right? Like I'm like, I mean, I'm like Kevin, what happened to you today? It's like I got in a car accident, and now you're like, now, but instead of being in a car accident, like hey, I'm just living where I live, I've got a person okay, I'm like, I'm okay. I romanticize the moment, like look at this, someone's trying to hold me down, but I'm gonna get back up, I'm gonna fight through. This. Like, I, I, I can take the smallest thing, I can just romanticize it, and also I think it's, it's also hard because we want to hit the, we want to get the destination so bad, and sometimes we can be discouraged by where we are. We can say, okay, I want to achieve this goal so bad that if I'm honest about where I am, I think it's going to indicate that I'm going to fail. So if I say to you, hey, well, how much, you, how much money have you invested in your new idea? How much time do you invest in your new idea? I said, well, Kevin, I'm a, a mom of three and my husband works full time and I have a part time job and I'm too busy to do that. And if I, if I own that I only have two hours a week to give to the idea, I think it's me admitting that I'm never going to get to my destination. And I think the key part about this entire idea is that great strategies leverage limitations. Wow. But you can't leverage something you're not honest about. Right? I don't know if you ever read the book uh, uh, David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell, but the idea yeah. of it, first of all, if you don't see the show notes and it's an affiliate link, you should buy the book to support this podcast. That's what I'm going to tell you to do right now. This if is getting heard the book, real. I, I can't you should even... buy the book. You should buy the book and make sure Caleb and Todd get some money to give you this podcast for free. This is getting so um, for real. I'm, I'm, I'm a pitch man. Don't let me do this. Kevin, I'll do this all day. Kevin, <laughs> do you want to become my new best friend? Like, I don't. I can get rid of him. You can become my new best friend. I love no, you, Caleb. Caleb, Caleb, Caleb's the MVP. We're, we're the, he's Michael Jordan. We're, we're playing. We're playing supporting roles. I'm BJ Armstrong. I'm giving him the rock and get out the way. This <laughs> um, is. Oh my gosh! This just became so much better. A 1990s basketball reference. Um, Love it. But but what I, what I was getting at is, is the idea of saying in that book he talks about how you know David used his limitations to be his strategy. He said I have to I have to leverage my limitations. And I think that's what happens when you're honest is you actually say well what, well if I only have two hours a week as a as a mom of three to build my idea that means I can only do 
the most important task to move the idea forward. So what it's really going to do is give you a radical focus because you can't waste your time. That's actually probably an asset more than it is a limitation. You'll probably get more done faster because you're not doing all the piddly fun stuff. You're doing something that matters. You're going to actually make your idea grow. Um, and that's, so I think that's a big part of it is why people struggle. And that, also you need accountability. You need someone in your corner who can, who can keep it real with you. Uh, if you don't have anybody, then take personality assessments. Like you need to get every, I tell you all the time, personality assessments are designed to give you clarity around who you are already, right? Science only explains what God already created. It gives us clarity into what already exists. Uh, it's not making new things, it's explaining what's already happening. And that's, and that's, that's a gift. Mm-hmm. Going back to what you were saying, uh, to your statement that you had on your website, kind of the next thing we were wondering is, how do you identify where people or organizations currently are? Um, it's two things. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a market-based analysis, right? So, and, and also internal. So uh, when I consult a client for a strategy session and the team comes in, we actually have their entire team take personality assessments because we're saying, okay, if you recognize there's a weakness in your organization, nine out of 10 is because you, the leader, have been so focused on getting things done, you don't even recognize that Caleb is so good at this. What if you actually leverage what Caleb's already good at because you don't know Caleb that well because you're supposed to be getting stuff done and pushing tasks on Caleb's desk. You don't even know Caleb is a fantastic communicator and you limited him because he's an introvert. You said Caleb's an introvert, he's not a good communicator. You're wrong. This podcast is proof. Just go look at his podcast. He's telling you, I can communicate. Give me a chance. Boom, you're roasted. You didn't even know that, right? Um, no, but I think it started with Alan's about the team. Kevin, that's have. not the best reference you can you can have. Boom goes the dynamite oh. is the correct way of saying that. Well, boom roasted was a throwback to the office. When oh, Stan, that's uh, right, when, that is. <laughs> yeah, when when Michael Scott gets <laughs> mad at everybody for making fun of him, and he goes out and says, "Boom roasted, boom roasted." Oh, so that is what office. that's from. I didn't even connect that. Oh my, it's okay. It's okay. It's, you know, we're, we're, it's okay. We forgive you, Todd. <laughs> I'm just going to drink some more chestnut chai. Praline. Praise, hey, thanks to Charlotte Books for sponsoring this podcast. Um, no, I'm, they didn't sponsor it, but we're going to mention them until they do. And you go into Starbucks, tell them that you heard about the, the new chestnut praline chai on the, from Todd on the Learners Corner podcast. Um, but but, I, what I, but to um, Caleb's question, I think the, the idea also is saying, okay, we have to say, how are we performing on the metrics that matter? Whatever that is, um, you know, and I, and we'll say, metrics that, ma- that matter is the key thing. So if you're a church, you can say, oh, attendance matters. Well, mm, right, we can debate that because about a, we'll go into the question of effectiveness. We can say, how do we measure life change? Well, we can ask them. We could actually say to the to the kids in our ministry, hey, hey guys, no judgment. We, we just want to know how well we are doing with with supporting your 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 walk with God. So we're going to ask you some questions that we know aren't the full measurement of your faith, but we want to ask some questions that are hard, like how often do you talk to God? Once a day, once a week, once a month, you know, once a year. Like, and we're going to ask you that question every three months. It's a one-question survey, right? We're actually going to ask you to do this in our arms. We're going to send it to you via text messages. So you can just respond with a one, two, or three. No one has to know. We just want to know how, how we are doing as, as people in your church encourage your faith walk. Well, now I have a metric that matters that can tell us 
where we actually are. If you're a business a little bit easier, right, you can take revenue, you can take customer satisfaction, like net promoter scores and other things like that. But I think you still want to get a customer survey could do great, uh, social media followers, whatever your thing is, you can dig into that. But I think metrics that matter great are great to help you there as well. Um, and um, yeah, so did that answer that question? I hope I, hope I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, that was perfect. And then just the last, then just the next thing is, so how do you help them leverage the right resources at the right time? Yeah, and this one's a hard one because I think that you, this is where you need an outside expert uh, for sure. I mean, and that's not me just plugging myself and just saying in, in general, like it's hard to know the right resource at the right time because you haven't seen all scenarios. Um, I tell you all the time, like Junction 32, we don't know more about your business than, than you do. And your customers, but we know more about business than you do. And that's like, whoa, how dare you say that, Kevin? Who do you think you are? No, like, no, like we're geeks about business. You're geeks about your business. So if you sell shoes, you know the shoe industry better than we do. Merchandising, and we might know about sales commissions better than we do. Like, but we just study business. We study content and stories and communication. What moves in, in different contexts? So I'm going to look at what Airbnb's doing. I'm going to look at what Uber's doing. I'm going to look at what Chick-fil-A's doing. I'm gonna, that's what I do. I, I study those things. My team studies those things. And then we bring you these different options that you didn't know existed because it's our job to be studying all the options that exist and become practitioners of those. So I would say consult someone. You might say, well, I don't have the money to pay, Kevin. You have Learner's Corner. Like I, I'm going to keep saying that because I think that I want to drive something home to people say, do you know how much is out there that's free to you today? You know, right now I'm thinking like I'm consulting someone right now. I'm saying to myself, hey, Caleb and Todd have said, Kevin, come on our podcast and consult someone for free. And I'm acting like someone on the other end right now is sitting in front of me and they're paying me a hundred bucks an hour to get my advice. So I'm going to tell you, hey, go you know, do some Google searches, read some books, what these guys are referencing. I mean, Caleb, Shared he's already read over 50 books this year. All right, well, Caleb, I'm a listener. What book should I read if I want to check out this? Let him help you by sharing your book recommendations. But you should buy it on the website with the affiliate link to say thank you to Caleb for the recommendation. Like, I'm, guys, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going all in. I am pitching this podcast so hard today. <laughs> I'm going to own it. I'm owning it. If you're listening to this podcast and right we, now, I'm in. And we appreciate it. You know, another thing that you talk about is having an inbound mindset. Can you kind of tell us what that is? By the way, before we get before we get to that, Kevin, can you tell which one of us is the stay on task person and which one of us isn't? Yes, and it's great. You all, look at the dynamic duo, yin and yang. You That's need each other. You need each other. That's right. <clears throat> Go back earlier about about the power of delegating, teamwork. Um, but you know what? The, the, the inbound mindset is really about saying this: there's someone looking for what you have to offer right now. That's it. That's essentially the idea of inbound marketing. There's someone looking for what you do right now. They're looking for things you're equipped to, problems you're equipped to solve right now. And how, how do we know that? Because Google search tell us, YouTube searches tell us, Netflix tells us, right? If you look at The Long Tail, which is another great book, they say every single movie on Netflix is watched at least once per year. Every single movie, which means someone's looking for what you have. And I'm sure we look at Spotify and look at Amazon. You're going to find the same things. Every product on Amazon probably bought at least once per year by somebody, even one with no reviews. Right? So what does that mean? That means to us that it's up to us to position ourselves to be discovered. 
and that you can do that through online content. So you want to put something out there that someone can discuss. Now we have, even iTunes is a search engine of sorts, right? So right now in the owner's corner, they're going to title this podcast in a way that's going to hopefully help you discover it in your time of need. What are you doing in your world right now that can make something you're doing discoverable is the right way I would phrase it. So if you are a church, what are you doing online to make things discoverable? Your service times probably aren't going to cut it. What you're probably going to have to do is answer some kind of spiritual question with online content that someone can find on Google. What is the meaning of life? You mean, I don't know if you've ever done any research, but that's, that phrase is searched so many stinking times. You might say, well, I don't have the answer. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm a pastor. I believe in God, but I don't know. Great. You can even say, I don't know the answer, but come to our church. We'll find the answer together, right? Sometimes that's even part of the answer too. You can sometimes own you don't have the answers, but present some different options. But online con helps you do that. And But the key thing is saying, if I can all be thinking, what can I share with someone right now that would make what we're doing discoverable and helpful? Um, it's how you have an impact on mindset. So one of the things um, that, that I'm just interested in is you are a, you're actually a merchant of time and you're actually a merchant of, of, of quick solutions. And when I say quick solution, that sounds like a dirty word, but it's not. Um, you, you're, you essentially are, are in the business of helping people who are stuck get unstuck. Yeah. How do you help people who are stuck? How do people get stuck and how do you help them to get unstuck? Let's Man. answer the first part. Like, how do people get stuck? Wow, that's a big one. Um, now, Caleb's not the only one that can bring fire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right, buddy. Come on. That, that drink's got Todd. Feeling great, y'all. That, Just that saying. Star Wars, Star Wars officially in the bloodstream. Um, now, you know, I, I, I think there's a couple of things. I mean, I can speak to what gets me stuck a lot. Um, and those people I've seen, fear is a big part of it. Uh, ignorance. To, just so know that like, the not in the derogatory term, but in the literal sense, I don't have information. I don't know. Um, I think some of it is, some of it can be limited resources. They can get someone stuck. Um, I think sometimes it, it can be a uh, un- unclear on purpose or goals, like why are you even doing this. Um, but if you look for other reasons, there's a great app actually called the Unstuck app. I use this um, app. It, I use this man, app. Yeah, it's a pretty powerful app. I mean, I found it a couple years ago, and it pretty much said, Kevin, you're stuck right now because you have a plan. And it was it was partially true. The Unstuck app can be gained because people play into why they think they're stuck already. So people like Todd and Caleb and myself are likely rarely stuck because we don't have information because we're learners. We're reading stuff all the time. We actually are stuck most often because we are having analysis paralysis by analysis. We have so much information that we that we paralyzed ourselves because we know all the options. So people like us probably just need to do stuff. We got to just do it because we just know what to do. and We just haven't done it yet. And we're, we want to be perfect because we, we have all the information. Um, but that's what people get stuck. Fear, information, resources. Um, but people get unstuck, um, in my opinion, depending on what you have, um, by a variety of things. Information, corner, plug again. Um, or it can, it can be 
to inaction. Like I just have to do something. I have to create some momentum. I have to move before I'm ready. Um, or before I feel ready, probably a better way to phrase that. Um, and and I think the other one would just be um, accountability and you know, putting some skin in the game. I think you, you kind of have to figure out what is your lever personally, but how I help you get unstuck, and um, it, it, it varies. Some of it is like I, I help people build GPS models for their life. Like I have friends, I sit down with them and say, hey, Kevin, I want to do a career shift. And I take the same approach saying, okay, well, what is your destination? Where are you are? Where are you right now? Um, and then we can look at the possible routes. It's kind of the same approach over and over again. And and for people, um, it, it is saying, okay, once again, who are who am I? Can I have someone else shine a light on who I am? Can I ask my spouse, my best friend? Can I go to Myers Briggs, Strength Finder? Um, can I have someone else help me strip away some of that? Um, and then say, okay, now I have a third party who's helping me be honest about where I'm at. And then from there, we can also reveal some of our pitfalls as well. And I think that's how we can help people get unstuck is, once again, being transparent about both. Because the routes will be will kind of show up once we're honest about where we are and where we're headed. Kevin, in marketing, you've had the chance to work with several great people, such as Tony Robbins, Oprah, and Dave Ramsey. You know, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask, you know, what are what are one or two lessons that you've learned from each of them? Okay, well, with Oprah, I was working with a team of people and I wasn't so close to her. So I, I for that one, that project, I, I learned more from the project than from her. Um, but I had to kind of build a strategy for her team for, for marketing some events. And um, what I did learn about my about things was just that you are always more capable than you think you are. Like the time, mean, if, if you all only saw how meager my life was when I got that Oprah opportunity, I mean, my wife and I were struggling financially. Um, you know, we, we, we just got married and, and um, we were really, you know, both in career transition. And I was really trying to grow myself as a marketer at the time. And someone said, hey, this guy is going to be good. Let me give him a shot at this gig with Oprah. And I, I mean, I busted my tail. I worked so hard on that project. But the thing about it was, I was like, wow, I'm doing a marketing plan for Oprah right now that she's going to see and use, and I'm getting paid by her by her talent agency, William Morris, to do Oprah. Mar- I, like, this is, it makes no sense. And it's like, oh, wow, I'm capable. I, I, I didn't, I mean, I can rise to the occasion. So I think that's one thing I learned. And I think Oprah's proven that um, as a person as well, that you are capable. I mean, you know, there's some things she's done in her career that really don't make sense when you look at the fact that Everybody who's a content curator doesn't have the personal brand she has, right? You can say, I'm not a content, I'm not a content creator, I'm a curator. Well, Caleb and Todd are curators, they're curating people who can come bring value to you. Oprah showed you can build a strong personal brand by being a curator because curation is a service to people. Being a filter to people is a big part of it. I heard a TED talk that said, we don't have, we have information overload. And that also means we have filter failure. There's nothing in our way now to help us do a better job of blocking and helping us filter out what we need to know and don't need to know. And Oprah proves that to everybody out there that that's a valuable thing to do to people. Uh, Dave Ramsey, I mean, he makes every employee, every team member go through Foundation University at a church. So, I mean, just his money principles alone were life-changing for me and my wife. Um, the other thing I would say is uh, Dave Ramsey taught me about the value of, being, of, of taking a ready, fire, aim approach to life. Um, Dave's a do first, ask questions later kind of guy. 
Now, that's against my wiring. Um, but that's he's shown me that sometimes you got to move before you think it all the way through to, to kind of gain momentum faster. Uh, the other thing Dave taught me was how hard I can work. Uh, Dave, everybody's required to work 45 hours a week. Rain, sleep, hail or snow. Uh, you know, you're going to be there 8 to 6. I mean, I'm sorry, 8 to 5, 9 to 6. Um, you know, you're going to be there 7 to 4, something like that every day. You can pick one of those three. But those are the options. <laughs> and the other thing, and, and so because of that, um, there is no there is no phoning it in. And the other thing that he does is really good is he also fires you for being workaholic. So he finds you're staying too late too often, you get fired. And um, and when you combine really really high high expectations and goals with a limited amount of time, you have to bust it. And you have like, you only have nine hours to get really really aggressive goals done, and you know you can't go over. And so it kind of unleashed my work ethic in a new way um, to see, to put those limitations on me. I had to think differently. And um, a lot of that is due to Dave Ramsey teaching. Um, for Tony, um, same thing in a lot of ways. But Tony, I got to go to his Unleash the Power Within event. My wife and I went together. Y'all, if you have not been, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you, you have to do this. Like, like there's, I mean, there's, so many things about this event that make no sense. Um, but I, I say this: we walked on hot coals within the first twelve hours of being there. And you say, "Oh, they're not, no, like no, like legit hot coals." Like I saw them pour it on; the smoke was in my face. Like it was insane. Um, and so there's a ton of things he taught me on a, on through his content. Uh, but on a personal level, he showed me the power of staying connected to your purpose. Like this guy can break down in tears, telling his story every single day, telling your story every single day. Because he he refused to lose his connection with the people on the other end. Like he refuses to be lose to lose it. He fights to keep it. Um, making sure he hears the stories one on one backstage. That like he makes sure that even some of, even some of the, and they do the same thing very well as well. They have services that keep him close. So for example, Dave Ramsey has a radio show where he talks to people on the on the phone three hours a day, five days a week. Tell me another CEO in America who speaks to customers fifteen hours a week. Right. So what he's doing is he's keeping himself close to the end user so he never loses empathy. Back to our initial question, right? Tony does the same thing. I'm, I'm gonna go and be on stage for four or five days straight for 12 hours a day. I'm gonna force myself a couple times a year to be to be in the presence of the people who I'm here to serve. And that forces empathy. Um, and both of those guys have shown me the power of that as well. Kevin, just as we're getting ready to finish, you know, one question that we always love to ask people as we wrap up is what are you learning right now? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, transparently speaking, I've had my worst book book reading years in the past two years since my kid was, since my daughter was born. And uh, I mean, it's been pretty terrible about how, how little, I mean, I was reading, I was, I once upon a time was trying to compete with Caleb. Never did a good job of being in that, in that many books. But, but I, um, I used to read at least 20, 12 to 24 a year. And it's been pretty bad lately. And but one thing I have learned, and um, I hope everybody, or everybody listening, I hope this gets to you some point too, that at some point you are going to be called to apply what you've learned. That reading it in a book, listening to it on this awesome podcast is not enough. You have to apply it. And that's hard work. And you've got to, sh- and I'm learning to show myself some grace in that regard. But I am learning that 
the information is, is designed to be applied. And um, and it's okay for you to go into the go into the workshop or or go into the gym, whatever your analogy would be, and and actually start to work on yourself like you do a project and say, okay, I have to implement this, and that's gonna take restructuring my life. Um, two years ago, I went to a uh, a workshop with a life coach here in, in um in Atlanta, I was invited by a couple of friends from the friends from Long University. And they lay out, they laid out, and this guy, we met, we met in October around this time, like right, like late October, early November. And we planned out our next year. And I'm a, I'm a big New Year's guy. I, New Year's is like my favorite time of the year. I mean, it, it is like, it is, it invigorates me in a new way. But I never planned out my next year three months early. And then when I was with the guys, we were setting our a meeting a calendar, doing a meeting calendar, and we were planning out every single meeting for 12 months, three three months before the new year started. So we sat down literally with calendars and spent an entire year planning out meetings for Launch University. And in the and in the process, the guys were like, "Sorry, I can't meet on May the 17th. We got a family vacation." I was like, "Dude, it's it's October, bro. It's on next May. Like you know you, you know your calendar down to the week, eight months in advance." We're like, what about October? So, sorry, guys, I got I got a fishing trip with my, with my brother-in-law. Like, how do you know? Like, we're talking about a full twelve months in advance. And I was like, these guys are insane. Like, who like, who does that? Like, who, who? And and it hit me. It's like, but it took me two years from experiencing that. So now I can say I have my calendar planned out twelve months in advance. It took me two years to get to the point where I could implement a principle that's about me owning my own time. Like, oh yeah, own your own time. Yeah, man go out there, be proactive. Yeah, dude. Like, oh, that's so great. It took me two years to implement that simple practice of planning that far in advance. It took me two years to implement where I can say my calendar is planned out a minimum by, by the minute, 15 minute intervals, three weeks in advance now. It took me two years to get to the point where I could, could, could manage my schedule, my priorities in a way where I was no longer a victim and, and I, I was truly being proactive about how I live my life. And that was me being a go-getter, right? I was saying yes to everything. And it took me two years to say, there's a value in me saying no, just like there's a value in me saying yes. And then you heard the principle, but application takes time. And that's what I'm learning. Application just takes time. Love that. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today on the Learner's Corner. If people want to continue to learn from you, how can they do that? Yeah, guys. Um, well, I have a couple projects out there. First of all, Jim32, if you're trying to grow your business, um, and you want to use content or, or you want to tell stories that sell, we can help you. Um, we have a blog that we're launching uh, in the next two weeks. And so I'm excited about that. So you go to jumpstart2.com. That's JCT, like the acronym, uh, I'm sorry, the abbreviation for Junction. So JCT32.com. Um, we're there. We actually publish a lot of stuff already on um, on social media. So if you go to follow us on Twitter at uh, JCT32team, um, we we're, really, we're really diligent about our Twitter feed. Um, and also our Instagram feed, same there. I was sharing inspirational content for you. Um, you can connect with some of the content for our, you as a launcher, if you're a person who's trying to build your own idea and you just need some encouragement on your side. Uh, I, the team I work with at Launch University, uh, a team of mentors kind of come together. You can go there, launchu.net. So just launchyou.net um, for the, on the personal side. And that's on the business side, Jump32. And if you're, if you're, hey, you know what? I need some more personalized help. Kevin, these are great ideas. Well, my team and I, we actually offer strategy calls. Um, you actually can book an hour with us. We will actually sit down and help you make some make some movement on on that idea uh, in one hour of time. So if you're saying, hey, I can't afford a retainer, I can't afford some big marketing plan. Hey, are you willing to invest some money 
to get for an hour of someone to help you leverage the right resource at the right time so you can tell stories that sell. If you want to put that into yourself, we'll want to give ourselves to you. So, um, so yeah, that, that, I think those are the best ways to connect. And uh, and keep listening to Learner's Corner. If you're listening right now, you're making already making really wise choices. You're already investing in yourself. So keep doing what you're doing. And and and, and I'm, I'm sorry you can't see Todd's sweet beard, but I'm telling you, just take my word for it. The beard is sweet. They, sweet they, like they, sweet like chestnut praline chai. Yeah, that's oh, what it is. Right here. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today. Todd. What was, you know, one or two things that you learned from our conversation with Kevin? You know, I think one of the things that I really took from him <clears throat> was, so a couple things, but one of the major ones was with marketing and, and, and things like that, you're, you're telling a story. So that's, that's probably the first one and, and really how he, he thinks of uh, and, and is creative with telling a story. And by the way, you saw that all throughout the episode as he's telling stories to get you to listen. To, to, to this podcast episode, but when we think of marketing, think of it in terms of that. I think one of the other things that I, that I really learned from him is uh, consistency in marketing and how all of that um, really does pay off. What about you? I think one thing that I learned is just the importance of not feeling guilty from marketing mm. your message. I think that, you know, sometimes we can, we can feel guilty for pushing stuff that, you know, that we're quote unquote trying to sell. And we experience that a lot. Exactly. And we experience it a lot. But here's the key thing that I took away is that if it's helping someone, there's no need to feel guilty about it. Right. And so just if you believe in your message, then you should market it. Then you should market your message if you believe in it. And not to feel guilty about making money at something. Um, and I think that was something that I really thought about after we talked with him was you know, with whatever you're doing, if you're good at something and, and you can make money at it, um, don't feel guilty about that. Um, Kevin's talking about affiliate links and stuff in the podcast episode. And I, I just think that, you know, for a lot of folks, um, they feel guilty about what they're trying to do. They're, they're almost apologizing. By the way, Jeff Henderson talked about the same thing, right, where he, he says that he's apologizing for asking, you know, at the end of services when he's asking for, for the offering. And I just think that it's it's an important lesson both from from Jeff and from Kevin that um, there's confidence needed and you don't have to feel guilty about it. Completely agree. Now, as we said earlier in the episode, we're releasing two episodes each week during the month of January. Bang rang. And we don't want you to miss any of the episodes. And the best way to make sure that you don't miss any of our episodes is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever podcast player you might use. And so do that, subscribe to the podcast, and you won't miss our next episode we next week. We even have you covered if you're an Android user. I'm sorry for your existence, but we have stuff for you, too. It's on Google Play. I just had to do that. Thanks for offending all of our Android Listen, listeners. my mom has a, has, a, has an Android phone, and she's all the time like, I can't do that. And I was like, Mom, it's on Google Play. Stop it. Now, before we get into any more trouble, you know, if uh, if you appreciate this podcast, if you learned something on this podcast, you know, feel free to leave us a rating, write a review of the podcast, and let us know how we can continue to improve. We don't want you to just give us a review because we ask you to. We want to earn it. And so let us know what we can do to, you know, maybe get your review or let us know how we can improve. Let us know what we can do better. Let us know what we're, what we're doing well and what you want to continue to hear from us about. And, and you can also at me about my Android comment. That's fine. Yep. You can hit us up on our social media platforms, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Let us know what 
um, guests, what topics that you want us to talk about as well. And thanks so much for listening to the Learner's Corner podcast today. Until next time, keep learning and keep growing. This is y'all.